Hello, North Texas sports fans. Welcome to Sports Day Insider from the Dallas Morning News. It's your weekly update on all things Cowboys, Rangers, Mavericks, Stars. Should I go on? I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'm Evan Grant. And I'm David Moore. We break down the calls, the playmakers, and all the inside scoop right here every Tuesday. And you can stay up to date on every Sports Day Insider episode and other great shows. Just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcast. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate the Dallas Morning News feed. It really does make a difference. Guys, can we get the show started? Let's do it. Here we go, sports fans. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Sports Day Insider. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by David Moore. Hello, Kevin, as always. That is me. I, I am Kevin, as always. You are, as always. And also joining us, our old pal, Evan Grant. Hello, Evan. Hello, old pals. Old pals. You know, I, I hate to bring this kind of thing up, but you guys wouldn't even think about it. So, uh, speaking of old, you know, today's my birthday. Uh, oh, should should we? So you want us to sing to you? Is that it? Evan? Exactly, exactly. No, I just prefer that you bow. You well, know, a, a, I'd a rather bow sing off key. <laughs> That's the only way you know how to sing. Happy birthday to you! <laughs> Listen to that. Well, that's, that's very sultry, day. David. So, Happy birthday! So congratulations! To now you, you get Social Security. Uh, well, no, not not yet, no. I'm, he has I'm very def- little security, I would say. I'm, that's right. I'm, def- I'm deferring. In any, in any facet of life. Yeah, I'm deferring that until I'm 70. I'm trying to get the maximum amount of money out of the government. I can't. Should I live that long? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought you were 70. Oh, that was really clever. You went all the way around the block for that one. Came right back home and drove it right up the old driveway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did. So anyway. your, your view as opposed to other old people on our staff that we know who have already started taking Social Security because they're betting that they'll be dead before they reach the age of 77. You're not talking about Tim Cowshaw, are you? I, I didn't mention anyone. You didn't? No. Did you, do you know how much money Tim Cowshaw was making in 1999? <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. Everybody who had lunch that day knows now, don't we? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, that was a good story by Tim. That was a knee slapper, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Tim Callishaw. So anyway, uh, we got a lot of stuff going on today. And as a matter of fact, Evan is so busy he can't even stay with us. He's just going to do the Rangers uh, segment of this podcast with us. We're also obviously also going to talk about the Cowboys and Mavs. Uh, and, uh, but first we want to get the Rangers going because, because Evan's got to go, uh, after that. But at any rate, Evan, uh, I've got, uh, I came, I, let me just, why do I have to go, Kevin? Cause you got to drive to Houston. That's right. I came home from LA. Yeah. Because you know why? Cause I wanted to save the newspaper a night in a hotel. <laughs> so I flew the red eye home, Spent all day yesterday in bed recovering because I don't know why I ever do red eyes to myself. And now I'm going to drive to Houston. You're wow. driving or you asked our boss, Gary Level, to have a staff member drive you to Houston, which is what I heard. Well, I, that was refused. Uh, yeah. I, I, the staff member driving me to Houston was refused. That's why Sam Bloom left and has gone to the athletic. He was tired of being Evan's driver. Driving Mr. Evan. Driving Mr. Evan, yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. So anyway, so Evan's got to get out of here. Uh, so before he goes, though, we want to talk about the the uh, uh, the all star voting at uh, shortstop, which is is really displeasing uh, Isaiah Kinefrelafa. And uh, so Evan, tell us first of all in the in the fan voting, where is IKF right now? Well, MLB didn't actually release that. The Rangers did, however, on Instagram post a little promo that looked something like a Price is Right game show alpine climbing segment since the All-Star game is in Denver, and it had Isaiah stopping at number 11 on the peak. So he apparently is number 11 among the top 10 all-star vote getters at shortstop. <laughs> Which, um, you know, I think I'm 11th as well. I mean, you know, if you're not in the top 10, you're just not in it, right? Uh, Which is, and I don't, I, you know, so he said on Twitter that he looked at the all-star voting and he called it a joke. Um, and as we can get into, you know, he's had, he's had a long history of being driven by perceived slights. I, he did not say as much, but I think it does say something that, the number 10 all-star vote getter was Elvis Andrus, um, who was moved out so that Isaiah could could play shortstop here. Um, he said to the Rangers last year that he was their best shortstop. Uh, he's gone out and proved that he is a shortstop for them. And I, I, I think he just feels like, I, I don't know that he feels like he should be the all-star shortstop necessarily ahead of Xander Bogarts or, or maybe even... Um, uh, Carlos Correa, but I think he feels like he deserves to be in the conversation. Let me ask you this, Evan, and I haven't looked at his war lately. Uh, where does it rank among the shortstops on that list? Um, it depends on which war you contact. Uh, if you go with the um, uh, fan graphs, which I think is the Asian theater um, versus the European theater, which is a baseball reference, there's a little bit of a difference. But in... Uh, in fan graphs, he is, I believe, second to Carlos Correa. Um, Correa is at 2.9. He's at 2.8. I'm, I'm sorry, that's baseball reference. Um, and on fan graphs, Bogarts is one, Correa two, Kiner is three. So he, he is, and listen, I think Bo Bichette belongs in the conversation as well. I think there's four really good shortstops in the American League this year. Um, and Isaiah is one of them. So, uh, so this is the thing I want to bring up with you now. Now we talked about this before the season that the Rangers probably would target, uh, Trevor story, uh, the, the Rocky shortstop who, uh, from Irving or, or Corey Seager or Corey Seager from, uh, from the Dodgers, um, uh, who's had some, uh, success playing in globe life field. Uh, so, uh, He's no longer the all-time home runs leader, though. You well, know, Kevin. It was really nice of Joey Gallo uh, to uh, to surpass him like that and kind of you know restore a little bit of credibility to the local franchise. We, At we least we made sure that. to note that too. <laughs> yeah, I I saw that when you noted that. Uh, so so given that, uh, and given I would I don't know I I don't have any reason to believe that the Rangers are just going to all of a sudden just flood the market with uh, cash. Um, do the Rangers really want to proceed uh, in pursuing a guy like Story or Seager when clearly IKF is pretty easily offended these days, and I can't imagine he'd want to slide over to second base? Well, I, listen, I I don't think he'd necessarily want to slide over to second base, but I also do think that if you were to bring in Seager or, or Story at shortstop um, and say to him, 
here's your contract extension. Here's your opportunity to potentially go and win a gold glove at a third position. Um, and here's the way we're going to have a monster middle infield uh, on the way to a championship. I think that would at least placate him. Uh, I, I, I think if you're going to ask him to move to second base, it's got to be with the intent that you're going to add significant pieces to this roster that would allow this team to contend in the not in the in the near future. And and if you do that, I, I think that he would. He might not be fully gung ho on it, but I think he would accept it. And and the thing about him is, listen, this guy. What what I see from him every day is more and more the whole kind of Michael Young thing about just going out and being a professional in the field. Yeah, he really strikes me. Uh, you're right. That that is, a, I think, a great comparison to make. And and uh, what he has done really is also made himself into a much better offensive player. He's still not as good as Michael Young offensively, uh, but he is much better than than what he was before. Uh, much better. But uh, he's still, I mean, you know, he's still right now at a 742 OPS. You'd like him to be above 750. That, that's picking nits a little bit. But, I mean, he has he's made himself into a viable offensive player, and I think prior to this year, that was that was the big question. Well, and you you brought up Elvis Andrus, and and I don't I don't want to be kicking Elvis when he's down. Uh, but obviously, the the A's were probably about to give up on him. There's even rumors that they would try to make a, a deal at the deadline to uh, replace him at shortstop. Uh, but I can remember when when the Rangers would were just would have been happy if Elvis could have had a 740 OPS. That's what they were hoping he would do. And, and of course, a couple of times he did do that. Got up over 800 at one at one point. Uh, but so, but I think the question of him replacing, uh, or IKF replacing Elvis at this point has just been a no brainer. This, this has been one of the only success stories of the Rangers this season is that he has been everything they could have hoped in moving over from third base to shortstop, both, both defensively and offensively. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, there, there's plenty of questions about this team that, that still remain, to be answered about pieces that fit for the long term, but I think you have to look at, at Isaiah's move and say the defense has been as advertised, moving from third base to shortstop, and the offense has been stepped up a game. And I, I think one thing that works in Isaiah's favor is it's not like he's crushing the ball um, for doubles and home runs. He's doing a better job of that than he has, but the guy makes contact. And how many dribblers has he just you know, he's mishit balls that he's beat out for base hits, and he doesn't strike out. That makes a difference in the game today. This is one thing the Rangers have to do, I think, going forward, is put more emphasis on guys making contact. Because if you do, you give yourself a chance to get on base, and that's what it's all about. Evan, I certainly understand the the idea that bringing back to the original point for just a second, uh, I understand personal motivation and, and how players drive themselves. It's not actually connected to other things. I mean, you're looking for slights to do that, but does I mean, does he understand on a level that when you're the shortstop for the second worst team in the American League and this is your first year at the position, uh, it takes a little bit of time to grow into that stature, or does or is that just another slight in his mind? I, I think it's a little bit more of the latter, David. Um, this is a guy who has fueled himself with, with some of these things, and 
And, and listen, I mean, if you look at that list of the top 10 vote getters, you've got Adalberto Mondesi, who's at number six or seven, and he's played seven games this year. Um, and you've got Elvis, who is, you know, according to the, the Fangraphs reference, uh, the Fangraphs war index is the fourth worst player in, in the American League. So th- there is some um, validity to the fact that he's not even in the conversation being a, a real slight. But I, I do think that he does also look for some of these opportunities to kind of drive himself a little bit. It goes back to him as a high school player when he really wanted to go to the University of Hawaii, he wanted to play baseball there. And he was never offered a, a, a scholarship. And he still talks about when he goes home, he drives by the University of Hawaii's baseball field every day. And he thinks about, I wasn't good enough for you guys. I wasn't good enough for you guys. And different guys, you, you know this, We, you know, different guys are motivated and, and wired and, and fueled in different ways. This just seems to be his right now. And I, I don't know if that can carry you through an entire career but it certainly can take you to a, a, a certain level. And then the next point maybe is you just take pride in, in remaining at that, at, at that state. Yeah. One, one other thing before we get out of here, cause Evan has got to go. I want to point out, he's got 15 stolen bases already this year, which is, you know, almost as many as he's had in his career. Uh, he's second in the point. American league in, in stolen bases to Whit Merrifield. And he's second in the American League in, in stolen base percentage, which I think is an important factor in that whole conversation. Also to Merrifield, 15 of 16 on the bases. Went out when the Rangers really needed some offense this week and needed to put a little bit of pressure on a team. He went out and stole three bases in L.A. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. You know, to to make these many improvements uh, has been really something to watch. I, I my, Me personally, I'm excited to see what he ends up doing in his career because I think he is driven and I think he has shown how much he can improve. And frankly, I don't, I'm not sure what the ceiling is for him. I don't think he's going to be uh, – I don't know that he's going to be uh, one of the shortstops you see perennially on an all-star team, but I think he certainly has put himself in that conversation. Absolutely. I, I can't disagree with that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our Rangers segment. Evan's got to drive to Houston to, to watch the, the Rangers play those Astros. Uh, You're going to stop uh, at Bucky's on the way? No. I, I, no? I, can I just say something? I think Bucky's. Oh, you're going to trash Bucky's now? Yeah, oh, I am. My I, I, oh, my uh, gosh. How untouched. Oh, go ahead. No. Let me say what Bucky's does really, really well. And the one reason that they are. They are uh, uh, an absolute stop for me on the highway is I have a very tiny little bladder. It's a very small bladder. And Bucky's has very, very clean, spacious bathrooms. They are the best bathrooms in America. So I will stop there uh, to use the bathroom. But Bucky's Nuggets don't do it for me. Why would I stop there for kolaches or barbecue when there's so many better places to do that kind of stuff? So... Uh, I get that Bucky's is an institution, but for me, it's a nice bathroom with some good snacks. You know, Evan, I can let you talk about a lot of things, but I'm not going to let you get on here and degrade Bucky's. Okay, it's it's Texas' favorite rest stop, and and uh, it's I think it's in the Texas much more State than food constitution. It's much more than food, pal. Oh, it's on. a lifestyle, you know. <laughs> Okay. And you Kevin, see that when you walk in, you, there are many different things you can buy that would give you oh my gosh. joy. That would give you joy. I, I particularly like the um, all the signs that have like little things like no cussing, no fussing, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I like that. 
Yeah, it's an institution, pal. It's like a it's a trucker's Disney World, is what it is. I'd like, like to go. I'd I'd like to weigh the Bucky's versus Stuckies in its heyday, kind of. Yeah, Stuckies had those Bucky's good little pecan logs. Yeah, like they're like five. I did love the pecan logs though. Yeah, Man, the pecan log was big. But at Stuckies, you could eat and get gas. Yeah, well, yeah, that's great. Well, or, or take a selfie. Of yourself in the in the pristine restroom at Bucky's. Will you do that? Yeah. Maybe I'll take it out on your Twitter account. Don't be getting your phone out in the restroom, man. I may take okay? a drive by of the giant Sam Houston statue as I whiz by it. You got to do that, and don't say whiz when you're talking about that going by uh, uh, Big Sam. Okay, just remember to salute when you go by. I will. All right, I'm there saluting goes- you guys as I sign off. There goes Evan Grant whizzing past. Hi, Evan. Uh, big Sam. So anyway, all right. So now that we've gotten rid of Evan, we can have some serious sports talk now. Uh, let's, uh, let's Evan, let's, I mean, David, sorry about that. Calling you, calling you Evan. Very offensive, but please go ahead. Well, I'm still reeling from that confrontation. Oh, the whole Bucky's thing. The whole Bucky's thing. It just really, uh, oh, wow. I can't believe that. Listen, I've been on, I've been through restrooms all over this state and I got to tell (laughs) you you something. (laughs) I have on the road all over the state. And I don't feel sorry for any institution run out of business by Bucky's. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so at any rate, uh, the Mavericks uh, are, are of course uh, out of the playoffs and uh, there's been a little bit of uh, consternation about what the Mavericks should do going forward. I personally caused some of that consternation last week when I wrote that, uh, that Luca's being great, but for the, for the best in the best interest of the Mavericks, um, he has to be a little less historic. Uh, and other guys have got to get involved. And the reason I wrote this was because, you know, there's not a lot of things I believe that they can do in this offseason. They're going to have to re-sign Tim Hardaway, uh, and that's going to chew up most of their available cap space. And they've said that's a priority. And you can say we'll spend that money elsewhere. Where? (laughs) What's going to be an upgrade uh, for the, you know, for? so, yeah, they are in a difficult spot. And, and, and this happens to all those teams. They're kind of right there with where the cap is, uh, the expiring contracts. They they kind of have to make it work the way it goes and add judiciously. Or if you tear up, then you risk, and the West is so deep, you risk taking a step back before you can take two steps forward. That's exactly right. I think they're going to end up probably, after they re-sign Hardaway, they'll probably end up with about $9 million available. You're not going to be able to get a whole lot with that. Uh, obviously, I think at this point, they probably would trade Chris Stapps for Zingas, uh, but you're going to get, first of all, I don't know that there's any kind of market for him whatsoever unless you're just trying to dump a bad contract. If you're trying to, you know, there were rumors about uh, the Celtics, uh, would, would they sh- ship Kimba Walker here? Well, you know, you know, maybe, you know, uh, maybe they would, but but what good is that doing anybody in this deal? There's two bad contracts, uh, and, and I'm, not, I'm not sure that that uh, is any kind of improvement or upgrade for the Mavericks. So, um, failing that, uh, and then they don't have a, they don't have a first round draft pick this year. Uh, that was, uh, the, one of the picks that went to the Knicks. So, um, there's just not a lot of ways to upgrade otherwise. So to me, uh, one of the things that, uh, in the, in the case that I made was that 
you know, if you if you can get these guys involved early in the game, if you can get uh, and, and specifically, I'm really talking about what happened in the playoffs when Luca was really going off early in game, scoring you know 29 points in the first half uh, and doing that, and, and obviously it was just magnificent basketball on his part from that standpoint. But when you got a lot of guys just standing around watching, which is what seemed to be happening a lot, uh, you really notice how much they just weren't in the game. Uh, they, they weren't in the game late. You're asking guys to, to make shots late in the game when they weren't making them early. And you know how this is, David. If you can get a guy involved early offensively, then that kind of charges him up a little bit. He's better defensively, too. He's going to be more committed all the way around than if, you, if he's just been an innocent bystander for most of the game. Yeah, and it's tough because, you know, the, the Mavericks at this stage of their development, I mean, Doncic is far and away their best player. And and even a contested shot from Doncic a lot of times is a better offensive option than getting the ball to a, a wide open player in, in a spot that's uh, a little off his comfort zone. So uh, th- this is not a, a knock on, on him whatsoever. But, you know, the other thing is you can kind of worship this cult of, of triple doubles and uh, you can get mesmerized by what a great individual player Doncic is. And you allow that to overtake the fact that they aren't developing as a team you know, the way they should. And I think you get, you, you're, you're focused on the triple doubles and, oh my gosh, where does, uh, you know, he's ahead of what LeBron James was at, at a comparable age. Uh, oh, look, really? The only other player who's ever done this is Oscar Robertson. And, you know, you, you go through all of these things that Luca does and you keep comparing him to how few players have done it. And you go, wow, this franchise is in, in great shape. I mean, he's, he's, when his days are done, he could be, you know, maybe one of the two or three best players ever to play this game. And you get caught up in that and his individual achievements without the team actually going forward. Now, the, the coaching staff doesn't do that. The, you know, management doesn't do that. But I think fans kind of fall, you know, fall under that spell. And, and suddenly you don't want... Th- the whole point of this is you don't want that to go on too long and then look up in year four or five and go... Well, this is a team that was built like the Houston Rockets or those uh, Sixers teams with Allen Iverson with a player dominating the ball so much. Maybe one year they break through when their role players actually, you know, are hitting on all cylinders, but otherwise uh, they're just not good enough. And so how do you step back and still put that team together? Well, some of it is getting the ball out of Luca's hands a little bit, getting someone else who you can run the offense through, allowing him to play off the ball, letting him do some other things, getting other players involved. And it's, but, but it, you know, it is so difficult to do when you have a player that great because the scales are tipped so far in his direction, because there's this sense every time we take the ball out of our hands, we're making ourselves a lesser team. And you might be in the short term, but you have to do it in order to improve over the long haul. And that's, that's a very difficult thing to do. And, you know, the issue you run into in the, this past season with the players uh, missing time with COVID early, uh, with a condensed practice schedule and fewer games, and then Kristaps Porzingis with all the games that he missed, you really couldn't develop uh, from a team framework 
lessening the load on Doncic in order to spread it around and get everyone involved the way you wanted. You, you just didn't have a long enough period to do it. And you know, we've talked about this before. Does that mean they're more inclined to try to do it this next year before giving up on it? I think they are. But even in doing that, if it doesn't hit, now you've set yourself back further as far as putting a true team framework around Doncic where, uh, like I said, there's just such an imbalance now. I, I think it's it's still a good basketball decision for him to dominate the ball the way he does. But that is not sustainable for the su- sort of success they want long term. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. They're going to have to make some uh, some moves to try to get everybody on the same page here. And I, I do think that Rick Carlisle is going to have to assert himself more in the office and say we're going to have to run more plays through uh, Chris Stapps, you know, to try to get him more involved in the office, to try to make him happy, get him involved. Because if he's not, inv- if he's not scoring 20 points a game, you know, because Tim Hardaway has, has made himself that player, and that's good. But they've got to have that third option. He, he, you know, KP is being paid as a first option, uh, and he's playing like a third or fourth uh, at this point. So it, it, he was pretty good during the regular season when he was when he was healthy. He was just a, a forgotten player in the playoffs. How much of that had to do with the matchups and what Rick wanted to, to do? How much of it had to do with with Luca feeling like he had to to do everything and do all the heavy lifting? It's, it's, I think a little bit fuzzy for me at this point uh, about where everybody was on that, but certainly this is something that they're going to have to get hashed out. And I think they're just they're just going to really have to run this same thing out there, hope that they get off to a better start uh, and and can get themselves uh, a fourth and maybe even a third seed if they play really well. And I think that would that would help a lot. So we'll, yeah, we'll see and, and, and what we're talking about here too, it's not it's not that uh, Luca needs. I mean that. Porzingis needs his 20 points a night, although I agree with you. That's what they need out of him. If he's not here giving you 18 to 20 a night, uh, why do you have him? Uh, Because you can can construct this team differently. But I I think too often this past year when he had those games, it was like, oh, okay, well, Porzingis is on tonight, so let's give him the ball. He wasn't necessarily incorporated into the offense on a night-in and night-out basis. Now, a lot of that was the injury, but still it's like, okay – Porzingis is hitting his shots tonight. Let's get him the ball. Let's make him part of the offense. Oh, tonight he's not. Well, okay, let's uh, let's do something else. And something else is just keep the ball in Lucas' hands longer. It can't be that. And, and you saw that. That was underscored in that series against the Clippers. Uh, he was an afterthought because he hasn't been incorporated into the offense. He still needs to be incorporated into the offense, even those nights he's not playing well. You don't go from a 20-point score down to a guy who's getting three to five a game. Uh, that There's no in-between there. There's no consistency. And, and that was the issue. He was not integrated into the offensive framework of this team. Yeah, that was a problem. They're going to have to work that out. Speaking of working things out, uh, Jerry Jones has been trying to do that for, like, I don't know, 26 years now, it seems like. Uh, it is 26 years now at the moment. Yeah, so so something like that. Uh, and so we we uh, have the uh, uh, the Cowboys have a rookie, uh, kind of a rookie mini camp. Are we calling it that? Is that what it's going to yeah, be? Yeah, well, it's, it's really a bonus camp, you know, because they had the rookie uh, mini camp. Uh, two weeks after the draft, all the rookies came in, and then they were incorporated into the off-season program with the veterans. Uh, the mini camp wrapped up last week, and uh, McCarthy has told the rookies he wants them to come back this week uh, to work uh, to kind of go through everything. And he compared it 
to what he does with a quarterback camp, uh, where you come in, uh, you review everything that was thrown at him. And he said he learned this very early in his coaching that, um, you know, he was working and he found this out. He found this in his quarterback camp where uh, he was talking to one of the young quarterbacks one time and, and they told him, uh, look, coach, um, you know, there were a lot of there were a lot of really smart veteran players in that room. And I had a question about why we do this in this situation that I, I was kind of intimidated to bring up because I didn't want to be ridiculed, you know, and, and have this like hung around my neck for the rest of my time here. But this is a question I'd like to ask now that it's just you and me. And that has always stuck with Mike McCarthy. And so he he has set up the same thing for the rookies that he did with the quarterback camp. So he has them back this week. Uh, all the veterans are gone. Uh, they've, they've started their vacation before uh, heading into training camp. And he gets the rookies back out. And it's just the rookies and the coaching staff. And it says, okay, here's what we threw at you. Uh, what makes sense? What doesn't make sense? What questions do you have? Do you want to know how this works? And it's a way for th- to bring them up to speed and for them to feel really good about, or as good as they can, uh, about the scheme heading into the off season. Because anything new, there's still go- there's still a lot of study required for them. But this is okay. This is just us. Uh, ask these questions. Believe me, the veterans asked these questions before. They they would never tell you that, but they have. So what is it? What What's your question here? Let, let's get at this. So, uh, David, let's talk about these rookies right now and where they stand. And I don't know how much was determined by all this, but uh, we can assume that Micah Parsons is going to be the day one starter at middle linebacker, right? I, I think there's a really good shot of that. Yeah. Um, you know, there. are you know, Van Der Esch is going to move back out to the weak side, which he's excited about. So right now you're looking at, at Jalen Smith. Uh, I, I'm not sure that Parsons starts day one, but he's going to be such a big part of the rotation and, and play in so many things. Um, uh, and, you know, they were moving him around a lot. He, he was working at a couple of different linebacker spots. They were using him as a stand-up edge rusher, uh, designated pass rusher in certain situations. Uh, he will be a big part of the packages, whether he actually is on the field for that first snap against Tampa Bay. I'm not sure. But before, certainly very quickly into the season, he will be a starter if if he's not from day one. Kelvin Joseph, has he got a shot to uh, be a, a starter at the cornerback? Well, I think this is interesting because, you know, he missed about two weeks and he was in quarantine. And um He's farther behind than we just didn't get a chance to see him much. And you talk about a, a key second rookie mini uh, camp that they're having this week. It's key for him because he has a lot of catching up to do. In, in fact, I would say if you wanted to, if you wanted to call anyone disappointing for a high draft pick, it would be him just because you didn't see him out there to, to really make much of a determination on where he is. In fact, I would say, uh, the cornerback, the rookie cornerback you noticed was Nashawn Wright, uh, the third round pick who, you know, certainly a lot of fans went, what in the world are they doing? Who is this guy? They reached for him. Um, every single practice the media was allowed to see, you noticed Nashawn Wright. He put himself in a position to knock down a pass, uh, to break up a pass. Uh, he was doing, he was jumping routes. He, he had very good timing on that. And uh, in that final day in, in the mini camp, uh, he made an outstanding interception on a, on an uh, you know a deep out, uh, so you really noticed him. So um, you know this goes back. If, 
if you remember one year where the the Cowboys took Mike Jenkins uh, at the top of the draft and Orlando Scandrick didn't they didn't take him till the fifth round, but Scandrick actually contributed more uh, in that first season than what Jenkins did. Now Jenkins came back and made a Pro Bowl, but uh, you know. Who's to say that Nashawn Wright isn't the player that that's ahead of Joseph here? You do, we don't we don't have nearly enough sample size to make that uh, to say that that's going to happen. But Nashawn Wright was was very impressive, and I know the coaches liked him coming out of what they saw in the off season. So it's going to be interesting to see that competition at camp. I think ideally they would like one of those rookies to start over Anthony Brown at that position. But right now I think it's Anthony Brown because at least he's uh, been in this league for a while. So I'm going to uh, throw you a little bit of a curveball here and, sure. and say that, talk about the guy that Nashawn Wright compared himself uh, to, and that is Richard Sherman, who's still available out there. Uh, would the Cowboys have any interest at all in him? I think they're – if they lost one of their starters or a veteran guy uh, for an extended period, I think they would look at that. But I, I think they're at the stage where they want to develop young players and, and move forward. And, you know, there, there are so many sweeping changes on this defense. And, and I, I think they feel – I think Quinn feels comfortable enough with Keanu Neal and uh, Kazee, uh, the, the safety back there, uh, knowing what he wants them to do defensively to set that back end, that they don't necessarily feel compelled to bring Richard Sherman in. I, I think they want to go younger, develop somebody, put the time into them. And, uh, you know, you're right. You know, Deshaun Wright called himself basically a more athletic uh, Richard Sherman. Um, not saying he compares to Richard Sherman, but from a body build, he does. And he's really flashier early. And I will say this, you know, Richard Sherman was a fifth round pick. The Cowboys, whether they reached or not, used a third round pick on the Sean Wright. So uh, just saying that, well, we didn't know much about him. You wouldn't expect him to play much this year. I don't know that that's realistic. I, I think he, uh, I think there should be some expectations there that he gets in and, and you see him. Well, we're going to uh, be really looking at these things and uh, and what you can tell us about them, David, because Obviously, the Cowboys needed a lot of help on defense, uh, and uh, and maybe they've got that in this draft, and maybe they didn't, but we'll soon find out. So that's going to do it for our uh, podcast this week. We uh, talked to Evan about uh, Isaiah Conner-Falefa and, and uh, feeling snubbed in the All-Star voting. We we talked about uh, Bucky's uh, and uh, and how Evan has uh, denigrated them, and we're going to make sure that uh, that every Bucky's from. From here to Houston, bars Evan uh, uh, from their uh, their campuses, as, as I like to call them. And we've also uh, uh, talked about the Mavericks and uh, and and uh, maybe a little bit of an issue here going forward with uh, with Luca not feeling like he has to carry the entire load all by himself. So make sure you listen and, and keep up with us. We'll uh, we'll be here and we'll be back next week again. So we're from everybody in here to everybody out there. Thanks, and we'll see you. Well, that wraps up another episode of Sports Day Insider. Is it over already? Well, Evan, all good things come to an end, I suppose. The show is produced by Jeff Whittington. And presented by the Dallas Morning News. Our theme song is by Dallas's own John Dufalo. Don't forget to follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your quality podcasts. You'll never miss a Sports Day Insider episode, and you'll discover some other great shows. And if you liked what you heard... Please rate the Dallas Morning News feed and give us a review. 
It helps us reach other sports fans and news junkies. Learn more about this show and other shows at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find special Dallas Morning News subscription rates just for listeners. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you back here next week.